Hello, and welcome back to Can We Talk? This series will be on trust and estate planning. Joining us today is our host, Carol Felsing, and our guest, Alex Douglas. Alex is a member of the Florida Bar, earning his Juris Doctor degree from Florida State University of Law, where he graduated with honors. Alex is a partner in the firm of Sheffield Lohman. Our topic today is litigation surrounding trusts and trustees. Once again, here is Carol Felsing and Alex Douglas. Alex, thank you for coming back and joining us so we can further discuss litigation surrounding trust and trustees. At the end of the last episode, you mentioned the Principal and Income Act, which is part of what gives guidance to trustees. Where else do trustees find their guidance on how to manage the trust? That's an excellent question. Um, chapter 736 is the main um, uh, chapter that governs trust administrations. But honestly, unless you're a lawyer, reading the, the code is going to be extremely difficult to understand. So the best thing you can do, again, if you find yourself um, uh, named as a trustee and you just found out that uh, your, your, uh, the grantor has passed away and now the trust is irrevocable and you're the next uh, named trustee, call a lawyer experienced in, in uh, trust or probate administrations and find out what you have to do. There are actually notification requirements that must be done within the first 60 days that a trust becomes irrevocable. You have to notify the beneficiaries. You have to send them a copy of the trust. You have to let them know that they have a right uh, to reasonable information about the trust assets. And so many family members who uh, find themselves as trustees uh, don't don't abide by those rules and regulations. They think that their siblings will just go along with them and nothing bad will happen. But, but then, of course, as we see in so many situations, after the last parent dies, the referee for the family is gone. And whereas the kids all got along before mom died because of respect for mom, once that last parent passes, it's often and sadly a different situation. Another aspect is everyone thinks trust. I'm living in Florida. I just have a trust and it's good anywhere. But is trust law the same from country uh, across the country from state to state? No, or different? Not, not, not at all. It, it, it changes from state to state. And you make a good point. If you had a trust, say, in Illinois and you moved to Florida, as so many people, of course, uh, are moving to Florida to retire, you need to redo your estate plan. You need to go find, again, a lawyer uh, skilled in uh, that area of estate planning and redo your documents because uh, the laws are different, the requirements are different, and um, as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, having your estate plan in order is so important, especially um, making sure you have a valid power of attorney. Um, is the trustee personally liable for any mistakes or errors they made while being serving as trustee? Uh, absolutely. And again, this is something that I think a lot of folks who find themselves named as a trustee do not understand. There are legal ramifications that you can be held personally liable, meaning a judgment against you personally can be entered if you breach your fiduciary duties and cause damage to the beneficiaries. So yes. In your realm of litigation, are there any specific items that you think would be advantageous in a trust to help avoid litigation? 
Well, I, I, I don't know if there's anything in the trust um, that would um, help avoid litigation other than making sure you really have thought wisely about who the trustee should be. So, for instance, uh, I've had a case where um, mom named uh, her two daughters to be co-trustees. Now, the two daughters never could decide and agree upon anything while she was alive. But she very much wanted them to uh, uh, to be close and for whatever reason thought that maybe her death would bring them closer. And if she named them co-trustees, all things would be forgiven and they would uh, miraculously work together. Well, of course, that didn't happen. All she did was set them up for litigation. She should have named an independent trustee. If you have family dysfunction, do not put a child in place of, in, in, in the middle of that family dysfunction. You're going to set them up for failure. So the number one thing I would say on this is to choose your fiduciaries very wisely. If you have a problem within the family with kids not getting along or uh, jealousy or whatever, pick someone outside the family it, or, or, or um, a professional because it will be so much cost savings to avoid the, that potential litigation. Okay, I'm serving now as trustee, and I have a beneficiary that's making unreasonable demands on me about a distribution. What does that trustee do? So if you're serving as trustee and the beneficiaries are making unreasonable demands, um, there's, there's a few things you can do. Um, first of all, I, I think the trustee has a duty to try to engage with that beneficiary to find out why, why are these distributions needed. Go over what the standard of the of of the distribution is a lot of a lot of uh, documents give the trustee the ability to distribute for what's called HEMS health education maintenance and support. So if those distrib if the if the request say I want uh, a Rolex watch okay because I just like it if if you have a HEMS standard as a trustee then you need to explain to that beneficiary, I'm sorry, I can't buy you the Rolex watch because it doesn't fall within health, education, maintenance, and support. Okay, now if you needed money for food, if you need to pay your house, uh, your homeowner's insurance or your property taxes, I can help you with that. But I can't buy your Rolex watch. If that doesn't satisfy them, um, then the, you know, the, the other thing that you can always do is if they say, well, I believe whatever demand they're making does fall within your ability to, uh, to distribute this money, um, you can bring what's called a declaratory action with the court. And that is, you can always ask the court as a trustee, hey, hey court, uh, I am, uh, I am uh, in a conflict with the beneficiary. We're in disagreement over whether his or her request is a valid request, and I'm asking for direction from the court. Tell me what to do. Um, I represent um, uh, some uh, uh, several professional uh, fiduciaries, uh, banks, and they often will have me file a declaratory action 
because the gold standard for a professional fiduciary is either all the beneficiaries signing a consent and waiver or having a court order direct the trustee what to do. Um, if you have good counsel as a trustee, you should not be in a situation where you're being sued. Because if there is a question as to whether you can or cannot do something that's a legitimate question, you can always seek the direction from the court through court action. Okay, you're the trustee and you're being sued. What happens next? All right. So um, this this does happen, and um, there's there's a few things. One, you, you need to retain counsel. Uh, two, um, you cannot if it's a if it's a claim for breach of fiduciary duty. Okay, so if if they're suing you saying you breached your fiduciary duty, by law you have to give notice to the beneficiaries of your intent to use trust monies to pay your lawyer. Okay, you have to do that. Now, the gray area is how long do you have to wait after you give that notice? So um, what, what I would suggest is that the person give at least a 20-day notice to the beneficiaries that you intend to use the trust funds. After that time, you can use the trust funds if there hasn't been an objection filed by the other side. Um, and in most cases, however, there will be an objection. And then you have to have a court hearing for the court to determine whether more likely than not, you've breached your fiduciary duties. If the court finds out or decides that you have, you're gonna likely be prevented from using the trust funds to defend yourself. But if the court believes that more likely you have not breached your duty, then you will be able to use the trust corpus to defend yourself, which is a powerful weapon because, of course, the beneficiary is seeing their money dissipated because of the lawsuit. So a trustee has to be prepared at some point to use their personal funds if they ever get sued. That, that's, exa that's exactly right. So going back to, your, to originally what we were talking about, it's a big deal to accept the position of trustee. There are financial considerations that you need to consider. And if you're not up to the task, you always have the right to decline. Just because someone names you as trustee, if you feel uncomfortable, if you feel like you would be pitted against your relatives, you can decline. So we're talking about declining. When, if we've accepted the position of trustee and really don't want to get in the middle of all that nonsense or uh, fighting, when should a trustee re resign and how do they do it? That's another uh, very good question. And um, um, it, it, it really depends upon uh, the situation. So a lot of, especially individuals who have been appointed by mom or, mom or dad to be trustee feel very obligated to see the whole thing through, okay? Um, less so, of course, if you have a, a corporate fiduciary uh, or, or other professional fiduciary. Um, and, and what, you know, what, what I, would, I would say is that it, it also depends upon whether you are a co-fiduciary, co-trustee, or if you're the sole trustee. 
if you're a sole trustee, um, then if you do resign, um, you will want to get all the beneficiaries to basically sign a release of you as, as a fiduciary. Ideally, you would want them to sign an indemnity agreement because even after you have resigned and someone else takes over, uh, there could be potential issues that, that come up later that may uh, uh, implicate you, for instance, in a liability suit or um, in, in some kind of tax issue where you want the trust to identify you because you've done nothing wrong. You just were the trustee at the time uh, the potential issue arose. So a release and indemnity agreement for the trustee signed by all of the beneficiaries is is the best way. If you, or it is the, the, the first way I would go. If you can't get that, then you will want to file uh, an action with the court, which you're entitled to do, and ask for what's called a judicial discharge. And there you have to serve as trustee, you have to serve uh, the complaint, the notice on all the beneficiaries, and if they have an objection to you being discharged, they have to speak up or forever hold their peace because the, the court will enter a judgment saying the trustee is forever discharged and you can uh, leave that position um, assuming the court names a successor trustee or a successor trustee comes in without having to, to worry about anything. Uh, it Now, if you're a to answer your question when you should uh, resign, if you have irreconcilable differences with a beneficiary that is just, you're, you're not, you're never going to win, right? You're never going to be able to make it work. You know, life is too short, especially if you're not a professional, if you're just an individual uh, being the, uh, the trustee, resign. Now, the problem, of course, is you have to get someone who would step in after you because you, you, you theoretically can resign, but you, you really cannot resign unless there is a successor to take over the books and records, the bank accounts, and, and, and sometimes that can be very difficult if you have a problem beneficiary. Um, the other part where I think you probably should resign is if you have a, and, and this, this, this comes up a lot of times with a corporate fiduciary and an individual fiduciary, um, where you have a individual, when you have a co-trustee that is not playing by the rules and they're going down a path that they don't keep you apprised of what they're doing, they're making promises that you disagree with, um, that is a situation where their rogueness can bleed over to you and implicate you and potential liability. So if you can, if you have a, a bad co-trustee uh, and that situation is not going to get better uh, for your own protection, you should resign. Well, Alex, I thank you very much for talking with us today. I really enjoyed your insights, and it's the tip of the iceberg because it's a whole big, ugly world out there if the trusteeship goes, goes wrong. But thank you for joining us. Well, thank you, Carol. I really enjoyed it. If you have any questions, you can reach out to Carol at Felsing LLC, phone 407-412-9299 or felsingcpa.com.